Church, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to the New Testament Gospel of John. We're in John's Gospel today, John uh, chapter 12 today, John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. But today is Palm Sunday, uh, marking the beginning of Holy Week, which uh, recounts the most significant series of events in all of Christian history, in all history. For on this same day, some 1,991 years ago, in the year A.D. 30, the king of all kings came to town to give his life away. See, on that day, Jerusalem and the surrounding villages were abuzz with preparations for the feast, the annual festival of unleavened bread, which culminated in the celebration of Passover. Israelites were commemorating a significant event, a huge event, a momentous event. Israelite deliverance from slavery in Egypt and being spared God's judgment. So think about that just for a moment. Here is a church family. We've been journeying through the book of Exodus for quite uh, some time. And uh, according to many scholars, the Exodus happened, likely happened in the year 1446 B.C., Meaning that Jews in Jesus' day were still celebrating this momentous event 1,500 years later in a big way. A big way. I mean, as Americans, we we celebrate uh, our independence on the 4th of July every year. And we've been doing so for some 245 years. Now multiply that times six and you begin to get a sense Uh, for the historical longevity between the original Passover in Egypt and what faithful Jews are celebrating in Jerusalem in AD 30. Talk about looking back on a significant occasion, looking back on something that the Lord has done, something in their own history. But this was a time not only of looking back, we'll see in just a moment, this was a time that That Israelites in Jesus' day, Jews in Jesus' day, were looking forward as well. You see, the Lord had been faithful to His promise. He had come to rescue, as we've seen in Exodus. He had come to rescue Abraham's descendants, Abraham's offspring. And when the angel of the Lord brought judgment on Egypt, He passed over the Hebrews who had sacrificed a lamb according to God's instruction. He spared them. He delivered them. And so God instructed his people, he instructed the delivered, the saved, to never, ever forget it. To never forget what God had done for his people. To tell the future generations about it so they were to celebrate with an annual festival to the Lord. And so they did. Jews got excited about Passover. Celebrating God's hand in freeing their ancestors from bondage. But on this occasion... We're leaning into today, many Jews were hoping for more freedom. Not only were they celebrating what had taken place in the past, but they were anticipating what God may do in the future. They were anticipating another freedom, this time freedom from Roman oppression. See, Israel was occupied territory. They had been delivered. They were no longer in Egypt. But now there was another people ruling over them in their land. They were occupied territory, now controlled by Rome. And in AD 30, just prior to Passover, news of a mighty miracle worker spreads rapidly after Jesus of Nazareth successfully 
cause a dead man to walk out of his tomb. I mean, who, who does that? Could this man be the Messiah? Could this be the long-awaited one? Could this be the coming king who would deliver God's people once again, this time from Rome? Well, the religious elite of the day have already decided, no way, not this guy. We don't like this guy. But the common crowd is just about ready to crown him king that day. And so as we read this text, as we read our text for this morning, as we read what happens, let's hear the excitement, let's hear the anticipation as Jesus approaches the holy city of Jerusalem. Let's hear God's word this morning. John chapter 12, as you find your place there in God's word, let me invite you to join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. Let's hear from the Lord today. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. And that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Father, even now as your gathered people, we thank you for your spirit's presence within us and among us. And so, Lord, we ask you to speak to us through the reading, through the preaching of your word. Guide us for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Well, during Passion Week, people were out. Streets were full. The place was busy. The markets were buzzing with the buying and selling of animals that were headed for slaughter. In fact, the historian Josephus tells us that in one year, more than 250,000 lambs were slain for Passover. 250,000. Just a couple days ago, I was driving down the road and I had my kids with me and we got behind... Uh, a tractor trailer full of chickens. I mean, a bunch of chickens. And so you've seen these, and I began to wonder, you know what, uh, how, how many chickens does a tractor trailer truck hold? And you probably don't want to know, but I looked that up, and it's about 3,000 chickens on one truck. Multiply that by more than 80, and you have the number of lambs that Josephus says in one year were slain for, for Passover. And those chickens... Pointing them out to my kids. I said, you guys see all those chickens? And, you know, for kids that have grown up in the big city of Birmingham, they don't see chicken trucks uh, every 
uh, day, and I didn't have the heart to tell them where those chickens were going. Those poor chickens didn't know where they were going. The lambs in Jerusalem didn't know where they were going, save one. One knew where he was going. But can you imagine Jerusalem streets crowded with sheep, covered with sheep? In fact, Josephus describes one Passover in the first century when 2.7 million Jews celebrated in Jerusalem. So so like Bethlehem in the year of Christ's birth, Jerusalem was crowded the week that Jesus died. In fact, John says the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way. They've heard about this man. Have you heard about this man? Have you heard about this Jesus? I want to tell you a bit about him this morning. He's turned water into wine. He's healed the blind. He's fed the 5,000. He's walked on water. And now he has raised a man from the dead. He looks ordinary, but this is no ordinary man. The crowds have heard about him and they want to see him. Perhaps this man could become our next king, someone in the crowd thought. He's on his way. You see, these pilgrims are looking for a savior. They want someone. They want a miracle worker like Moses who can deliver them from oppression. And they want a military warrior like David who can lead an army to defeat their enemies. You see, the Israelites haven't had a king of their own in six centuries. But many devout Jews have heard prophecies about a coming king. The coming Messiah. And as some of them began to to remember and Think about what God has said and done. They began to wonder, could this be the time? Could could this guy be the one? Could this be the year? Could this man be our man? Can't you hear the chatter in that town? Not only is this man a miracle worker and a master teacher, but you know what they say about him? They say he is a descendant of David. Somebody says, let's journey with him. Let's go with him. Let's walk with him to Jerusalem for the, for the feast. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he does. Just maybe, maybe if we get behind him, he'll show us his power. Maybe he'll seize the moment, the opportunity, issue a call to arms and lead us into victory over Caesar. And so when these pilgrim, this pilgrim crowd, this Pilgrims here, Jesus is on the edge of town. They take palm branches and they go out to meet him. And they shout, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And so Jesus, knowing full well what they're doing and saying, comes into Jerusalem as the promised king. Jesus came as the promised king. He came as the promised king. He's the one. And for a moment, he was treated like the king. And he was welcomed with palm branches, an expression of victory over enemies. A national symbol of hope, meaning these folks were ready for Jesus to save them from Rome. And if the palm fronds weren't clear enough, they shout, Hosanna, meaning here, save us, save us, deliver us. 
These Passover pilgrims are praising Jesus as one who comes in the name of the Lord. Quoting Psalm 118, one of several psalms sung each morning by the temple choir during this particular festival. Someone in the crowd then adds, Blessed is the King of Israel, making quite clear their desires and expectations. Ready to declare Jesus as Messiah. Ready to crown him as king and come together as freedom fighters against the Romans right then and there. A possible hero was on the way. Could this be the long-awaited one? Could this be the one we've heard about? Could this be the one foretold by the prophets, by Isaiah, by Zechariah? I think it could be. Look, the king is coming, a bystander may have shouted. Little did they know, their suspicions were right. They were on to something here. This is the one who can save them. Jesus came as the promised king, fulfilling scripture. He came as the king, fulfilling God's word. The coming king of whom the Old Testament speaks. The hero, devout Jews await. John says, this hero found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. And only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. And that these things had been done to him. And so John clarifies for us, with as it is written... He reminds us that Jesus' actions here are the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy. Daughter Zion is Jerusalem. And Jesus is the promised king seated on a donkey's colt. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing here. Riding this young donkey, he identifies himself as the long-awaited Messiah who has come to save. Jesus came to save. He came on a mission He came to save, he came to rescue, he came to win a battle, but his battle plan seemed off. Unconventional, you might say. So unconventional that it was unrecognizable, not only by the crowds, but even by his own disciples. Only after Jesus was glorified did they understand these things had been written about him. You see, Jesus came as the promised king, fulfilling scripture and promoting peace. He came as the prince of peace. He came riding an animal of peace to bring peace. They would have liked Jesus to ride on a war horse. And let's be honest, so would we. They would have liked him to lead them into battle. But instead, Jesus enters, in the words of Zechariah, lowly and riding on a donkey. See, these crowds welcoming Jesus on the streets of Jerusalem are on to something here. This is the Savior. This is the King. But there's a problem. People want a different kind of King. A hero who is invincible, a mighty warrior who will boldly face their Goliaths. But this King came to die. Jesus came to die. He is the promised king. 
who came, fulfilling scripture, promoting peace, but he came to die. He's a humble hero, but the crowds want a winning warrior. Right? Donkeys and fig trees, taxes to Caesar, foot washing, servitude and suffering. No thank you. Soon, uncertain of Jesus' mission and message, the religious elite persuade these crowds to reject him. They don't just dismiss him. They want to destroy him. But what they don't realize is that their attempt to destroy Jesus aligns with God's mission for Jesus. Jesus knew this, which is why he had already taken the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. He already told them, we are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him. And spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later he will rise. Why, Jesus, would you do this? Why, God, would you even allow this? Friends, because God's mission was far bigger than Rome. And his mercy far wider than we can even begin to imagine. And his love for sinners far, far deeper than we deserve. Friends, Jesus came to die as our Passover lamb. He came to die as our, our Passover lamb. He came to give his life of his own volition. Submitting to the will of the Father. He came to lay down his life on Calvary's cross after entering Jerusalem surrounded by Lambs awaiting their place on the altar. Jesus came to die as the all-sufficient sacrifice right smack in the middle of thousands of insufficient sacrifices. His death aligning with theirs, for He is the true and permanent and all-sufficient Passover Lamb of God who takes away our sins. Paul says, for Christ, our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed. Church, the Lamb has been sacrificed. His life has been given in our place for us. The Lamb of God has been slain for our sins, for mine and for yours and for whosoever will turn to Him. Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. Came to die for the sins of the world. How do we know this? The Bible tells us so. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You see, we have a problem, a sin problem. And we need a savior to deliver us from our sin problem. Jesus did not come to conform to the expectations of people. He came to conquer sin in the grave. He came to transform lives by giving us peace with God. Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with God today? Even this last week, we've been reminded that in this world, there is trouble. There is uncertainty. There's heartache, there's destruction, there's devastation, there's tragedy, there is brokenness. We live in a broken place. Life is fragile, but 
this Savior, this Messiah came that we would have peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that weathers whatever storm by trust in the living God, knowing that He is faithful and that He is good and that He will come again. You see, the masses wanted a great ruler who would conquer their political enemies. And in our days, we may still want a political Savior or a physical healer or a constant encourager or a financial advisor or a personal coach or an incredible entertainer. But what we need is a humble Savior, the one who provides lasting forgiveness and eternal life. Is He your Savior? Friend, is He your Passover? Do you know that you need Him? You need Him. You need Him. Don't miss Him. Don't miss the Savior's mission. Don't miss His mission. Don't miss the reason He came. He may not be what you expected. Certainly wasn't in His own day. Maybe not even what you wanted, but He is what you need. And He's on His way. Here in John chapter 12, He's on His way to the cross. For the crowds shouting, Hosanna, will soon turn against Him, shouting, Take Him away. Take Him away. Crucify Him. That's what they'll say. Missing the Savior's mission. Failing to see that Jesus is indeed the promised Christ who came to die as our Passover lamb for the sins of the world. John says he's on his way. He says the king is coming. He's on his way to the cross and he's on his way there for you. That's what John is saying here. And wrapped up in the midst of all of that, wrapped up in Christ's journey to the cross is his promise, his promise to come again. And so church, even now in 2021, we worship King Jesus as our Passover lamb and as our sovereign king who will come again. King Jesus will come again. Friends, he came and he will come again. He will come again. For within days of his triumphal entry, Jesus would comfort his own people, his own disciples with that very promise. With familiar words to believers recorded in John chapter 14, he would say, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Friend, I'm here to tell you this morning that you and I want to be where Jesus is. We want to be with him for there's no place like the paradise that he is preparing for his people, for those who trust in him. Have you trusted in him? Is your faith in Him? Is your trust in Him? Are you bowing before Him? Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Him. Turn away from sin and trust in the Savior. For the Spirit of God gives the same John who penned this gospel, these words that we've read this morning. The same Spirit of God gives this John a glimpse of that place. A place that Jesus is preparing for his people. A place filled with people forever in the presence of the Lamb who sits on the throne. The throne, in the words of Scripture, surrounded by a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding 
palm branches in their hands. Crying out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, in a sense, every man, woman, boy, or girl who sinned sent Jesus to the cross was part of that crowd that welcomed him into Jerusalem 1,991 years ago. But friends, you and I have the opportunity now to reserve a place in another crowd, a cleansed crowd, a washed crowd crowd, welcoming our Savior with palm branches and worshiping our King with songs of praise for all of eternity. Friend, will you be part of that crowd? The King is coming. He's on His way. You better prepare to meet Him now. Don't miss the coming King. Don't miss the King. Friend, He's on His way. He's coming. Are you ready for the King? He's coming. Is He coming for you? Father, help us to be prepared. Help us to prepare now for the coming of the King. Lord, for the coming of Jesus. Father, this morning we acknowledge that we believe your word. Father, that we trust you. Lord, that we often misunderstand you, ourselves, the world in which we live and our need for you. But, Father, we, we believe the gospel. Father, we believe that the King has come. We believe that the Messiah has come, that the Lamb of God has come in your perfect time and in your perfect way to restore an imperfect people, broken, rebellious sinners into right relationship with you. And so, Father, help us to believe. Help us to put our faith in you, to trust in you to long for more of you, and, Father, to anticipate the return of the King. And even now, Father, we pray that we would respond with adoration. We pray that all of us gathered in this place and participating together, Lord, would respond with repentance and faith. So stir us in that way. Father, lead us to believe. Lead us to worship. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.